to the Quarantine Players Podcast. We are a group of writers, directors, and actors who had our productions canceled due to the pandemic. Each week, we'll read a new play and discuss it with a playwright, just like Shakespeare. We aspire to create new work during a global pandemic. Welcome to the Quarantine Players. Tonight we're reading Ditching Destiny on Halloween or The Bride Can't Decide, a funny romantic comedy by Laura Lewis Barr. Let's meet our cast. Um, hi, Barry. Why don't you say hi? I'm Barry Alguire and I'm reading Stage Directions and Assorted Smaller Characters. And Michaela? Hi, I'm Michaela Trimpey and I'll be reading for Laurie. Wonderful. And Ricardo? Hi, I'm Ricardo Padilla, and I'll be reading for Nick. And Spencer? Hi, I'm Spencer Dooley, and I'll be reading for Richard. Stacy? Hi, I'm Stacy McCargo, and I will be reading for Karen. And Cameron? Hi, my name is Cameron Lee Conlon, and I'll be reading for Ethan. And Doug? Hi, everybody. I'm Doug Henderson, and I'll be reading for Mark, Charlie, and Cupid. Wonderful. <clears throat> and our playwright's uh, with us now, and uh, she'll be, we'll be hearing from her after the show, so stick around for a discussion. All right, guys, let's get started. Lights up. Sounds of a busy insurance office. It's decorated for Halloween. A sign reads, Oops, you did it again, insurance agency. Every seat in the lobby is filled with unhappy people in outrageous costumes. They are the people in costumes we will see later. Fairy Princess, Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, Hulk, Poseidon. Karen Caprice sits staring at the sign. She wears a French maid costume that's too small for her. An attractive man dressed as a known beckons Karen off stage. She follows with eagerness. Blackout. The lights are come up on a sunny, messy studio filled with books, half-finished sewing and jewelry projects, and too many plants. Karen is having lunch with Lori Caprice, her younger sister. Karen attempts to serve a brilliantly colored salad. She's spilling the salad beyond the plates. Lori is more conventionally beautiful. She holds a mirror and fusses with her hair. A huge paint color chart sits on the table near her. It wasn't my fault. Of course not. I'm just saying that technically the car that does the hitting is the one that gets blamed. Even if. Even if she slammed on her brakes. If you are the. He. He. He slammed on the brakes. <laughs> Young. Was he, what was he driving? Why do you always go there? Because I love you and I want you to be happy. Stop with your hair. You look lovely. My agent doesn't think so. Since when? Since, I don't know. She won't return my calls. He's busy getting work for you. She's not sending me out. Lisa's going out every other day. You're exaggerating. She hates me. I don't know why. Some clients complained, but I'm telling you, they were unreasonable. 
but now she's not calling. That's why I took this stupid part-time job. How is the garden? Ugh, never mind. I don't want to think about it. So, cute driver gives you the card. Oh, and... that was the insurance guy. Young, cute. Brent with the beautiful button and wall of gleaming teeth. Yes. He always takes my hand and says, I love your visits. I just wish they didn't include a smashed Honda. Is that why you keep crashing? Maybe subconsciously you want to see him? No. You've got to admit, you've had three accidents in the past six months. Things just seem to happen to me. Well, the bee. Well, and the last time, uh, the truck of bananas and, oh, and that llama. <laughs> Get back to Toothy Brett. What about? Oh, he makes me swoon, but he's gay. So no go. Are you sure? No, a gnome kept pinching his butt. Halloween costumes. Crap. Go on. That's it. The insurance guy gave me the card. For the star doctor. Oh, I'm sorry I told you. I've heard of this guy. Too expensive. I'm getting it for your birthday. No. Aaron knocks over the salad dressing. Watch it. Start out of the way. Aaron cleans up the table. Big birthday presents deserve big presents. That's right. Big birthdays deserve big presents. <laughs> Don't remind me. You're off of school. I'll set it up for tomorrow. I'm not going to an astrologer. Aaron knocks over her water. Ugh, what is wrong with me? She moves to clean it up. I'm thinking of spicy mayo, but I'm afraid it's too pinky. What do you think? Maybe Eskimo sunrise? They all look the same to me. Just, just close your eyes and pick one. This is for the next five years of my life. Just because you're willing to play sloppy hippie chick doesn't mean I'm. Sloppy? Sorry. White sofa, white rug, white walls. Your condo feels like a hospital. I like clean. Astringent. Sterile ice. That has a nice sheen. For a psych ward. I've got to go. I'm going to accidentally bump into Teddy. He's going to accidentally see me every day looking stunning and realize he put the wrong person in the media contact position. Wendy the witch looks like an idiot when she gives interviews. He is going to get me out of that swamp pit. I still don't understand why you agreed to- The garden is community outreach part of Teddy's department. I thought it was another spokesperson job, not the grunt work. Wendy, she knew. She set the whole thing up. I've got a plan for her. Your brows look nice. You got a date? Nope. Come on, you only get your brows done before a date. Who is it? I'm going to cancel. Who? He's not good for me. <laughs> is it Nick? Why are you always so hard on him? He's a nice guy, but I, I don't know. I, I he's just. He's cute. He's tenured. No, not yet. He's got a good job, a great apartment. Mom and dad love him. Well, they can marry him. What do you expect? He treats you like a queen. Always planning special outings. I don't feel anything. He's, he's boring. Please. 
have a few dates with the rest of the losers out there. Well, you've set me up with plenty of them. You're too picky. Doug, the guy who had a website listing his girlfriend's bra sizes, or or Byron, who, who bought us tickets to Vegas and a set of handcuffs. I'm sure that was a misunderstanding. Mm, or, or Hugo. You're making these names up. No, I'm not that inventive. Hugo's idea of a date was, was talking on the subway, hoping for a little risky business. Yuck. See, Nick isn't that bad. Give him another chance. Or see the psychic. He could tell you what to do. Nick, Nick's apartment. A luxurious bed dominates the room. A hallway leads to the front door and another doorway leads to a kitchen. Nick Baintree, late 30s, sleeps in bed with Karen. After a moment, Karen screams and sits <gasps> up and Nick jolts up next to her. What is it? Nothing. I had a bad dream. I, I was attacking a man who betrayed me. I was beating his head in with a hammer. A good morning to you too. Nick gives Karen a small kiss, gets up and goes to the bathroom. Karen remains sitting in the bed, makes a motion of beating someone with gusto. As Nick re-enters, she alters a motion to stroking someone's hair in front of her. What are you doing? Remembering my dream, acting it out so it'll stick in my mind. You want a nightmare to stick in your mind? To learn from it. I, I see. Hmm. Uh, so what's this? I was stroking his blonde hair just before I took out the hammer. Uh, French toast? Even after I smashed his face, he, he kept entering through the same door. Or would you rather have pancakes? Nothing. Nothing? Nick returns to the bed and starts to shake it. It's a tradition. I make Sunday breakfast. Mm, and after a successful conquest. Oh, every Sunday. Mm, it's not the same thing. No. Karen sits up against the headboard and closes her eyes. Nick kisses her, then again. Karen moves to respond just as he moves away. Okay. French toast. Nick moves to the kitchen. He sings in French. Invisible skull. Nick peeks in from the doorway. Uh, uh, so what did this guy do that was so terrible? He wouldn't come out. We were playing hide and seek and he wouldn't come out when I called Ollie Alley Ocean Free. <laughs> terrible of him. I always come out when they sing that. Do you? Now, if I look at the symbolism. If we look at the symbolism, Sigmund. Why do you do that? What? Make fun of me. Uh, no, I love your seriousness. I just like to kid you, make you smile. I won't, I wanted to ask you, do you like my sheets? They're flannel. They're all I use in the winter. No, it doesn't make <laughs> me smile. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you have flannel sheets? If not, we need to buy you some. The feeling I had when, when I was banging his head and it was very liberating. I'm happy for you. Nick disappears into the kitchen. We could go to the zoo today. Sorry, I, I need to get going. Karen goes back to bed, finds her clothes and starts to dress. Oh, I, I thought that- Sorry. Maybe... Let me eat breakfast and I'll drive you home. How about some grapes? 
Nick pops grapes into Karen's mouth. Soon her mouth overflows. Nick! Sorry, chew. She does, and grapes squirt juice everywhere. Même le filet de votre bouche est magnifique. What? Even the dribble from your mouth is sexy. Thanks. Nick runs to check on the French toast. While he's gone, Karen spits out the grapes into one of his socks. <laughs> Nick returns with a bouquet of flowers. I was going to give you these later, but, Madame, I regret these roses. Do not approach the beauty that emanates from your eyes. Nick, you've given me flowers every time we've... <laughs> Don't you like them? It's too much. Oh. Really? You're going to spoil me. Never. More grapes? He pops two into her mouth. Thank you. Oh, what should we do today? How about we drive up to Door County and look at the leaves? Mm, I can't. Mm. Nietzsche conference. Oh. Well, what kind of food do you like better? Thai or Ethiopian? Nick, I, I don't think we should see each other anymore. What? This isn't going to work. You want to talk about sheets, and, and I want to talk about- Everything. <laughs> well, so do I. Nietzsche Frederick, German philosopher, poet, and classical scholar. In his first book, The Birth of Tragedy, he presented a revolutionary wait, you're, theory- Wait, you're into Nietzsche? World book, World book Encyclopedia. As a kid, I tried to memorize all the en entries under N. Oh. He was deformed, wasn't he? You have all these great qualities. I'm, I'm very attracted to you. I, I am, but, but we just can't see each other anymore. She scrambles to collect her things. Karen? She grabs one sock, stuffs it into her pocket while pushing her shoes onto bare feet. I just, I just have a strong feeling that this isn't going to work. But Cherie. No, I, I'm too serious for you. I, I think too much. Oh, I see. You're doing this for me. When something isn't right, I get, I get stomach aches. I, I feel anxious. I give you stomach aches? You're great. I, I don't know why I wouldn't want to be with you, but. You don't want to be with me. I'm sorry. She leaves. Fine. Nick collapses on the bed. Then hearing her footsteps, he sits nonchalantly to hide his angst. I'm missing a sock. Karen looks for her sock in the bed. You want me to call a cab? Smoke alarm begins to blare from the kitchen. Shit. Nick runs into the kitchen. Oh, crap it all to hell. Sorry. <laughs> Quite all right, a anytime. Jeepers, criminy. Don't come in, don't come in. Ow. Oh, call yourself a cab. I'm a cab. <laughs> Karen grabs the phone book and begins to flip through it and then starts to look for her sock. You burned bad, but you should put some aloe on it. Did you call? Maybe I'll walk. Okay. Bye. Thanks. For what? Another lesson in women's studies. Well, that sounds bitter. She finds a sock, sticks it in her pocket. She moves toward the door, begins to say something, and then thinks better of it. Goodbye. What is it?
I'm forgetting something. I just I can't figure it out. Nick searches the room. He finds the pouch that Karen wears around her neck. Your crystal. Wouldn't want to lose your magical powers. Do you want to talk about what's bothering me? Not really. Right. Mm, that's what I thought. He moves back into the bedroom and Karen follows him. Why can't we just have a real conversation? And this is a, a fake conversation. I mean, we talk about flannel, about, about breakfast cereals, about ways to cook chicken, but we never talk. I'm sorry, you find my conversations dull. About what is really happening between us, inside us. Sorry, I, I don't even. But your plans today, hmm, you might find this interesting. I'm seeing a psychic. I thought it was a Nietzsche conference. I changed my mind. Lori got me a gift certificate. I, I think I should go. Why am I not surprised? Well, there are plenty of scientific studies that validate extrasensory perception. Uh-huh. I thought you were an open-minded person. Well, if an idea isn't idiotic. I can see a psychic if I want to see a psychic. And, and it doesn't mean that I'm that I'm flaky or or stupid or whoa, 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 whoa. Why are why are we even fighting about this? We aren't going to see each other anymore. So what's the difference? You can see midget tarot readers for all I care. Midget? Never mind. Tell the psychic hello from me. Oh, never mind. He already knows. <laughs> Aaron glares at Nick. Scene four, an astrologer's waiting room, a room of dark wood, antiques, and musty books, an old couch, some uncomfortable chairs. Richard Blast sits staring ahead on his couch. Karen enters, and she smiles at Richard. Is this uh, Norseman's? Is this... Uh... The, the waiting area. <clears throat> right. Karen sits at a distance on the couch. There's a long silence. Richard looks like he wants to speak, but when Karen looks at him, he looks away. So they sit in silence. Hard to get an appointment with this guy. Uh, he's supposed to be pretty good. Some people think so. You don't? I... <laughs> what? I know him better than most. I know his... What? I know his quirks. Um, he does have a gift. I shouldn't be so hard on him. He's supposed to be very strange. Really? My insurance guy, <sighs> he's gifted, but strange. I guess those two often go together. Could be. Like a hermit, I guess. You know, doesn't go out much, studies all the time and, and meditates. I hear he meditates for hours on end. You think that's weird? You've seen this guy before? I'm not sure why I came. I think most of this stuff is a lot of uh, a hooey. Well, that was my father's word. He used to say that psychics make vague generalizations and, and most people are highly susceptible. So predictions come true. Self fulfilling prophecies. I had a friend who went to this palm reader. She asked if her fiance was right for her and, and, and the reader said no. She was going to get married the following week. So it, it really messed her up. 
did did she fall off the wedding? No, but if she wanted to, and then didn't, she was pissed that the psychic would tell her right before. But why did she ask the question? She must have had some doubts. Well, everyone has doubts. I thought they were perfectly compatible, but but anytime they had a problem, she'd remember what the supposed psychic had said. And of course, they got divorced, just like he said they would. And you blame the psychic. Oh, you're right. I, I should blame Katie for going to see him. What time is, is your appointment for? I'm waiting for someone. Oh. oh, they're having their reading now? Just beginning. Oh, oh, but my reading is supposed to be now. Wow, he's running an hour late. I. What time was your friend's appointment? I. If your friend just went in there. Dan. You're in a hurry? Oh, I'm always in a hurry. Why? What do you. When he comes out, I. I assume the reading's in there, right? This place is a little creepy. But when he comes out, would you tell him that I couldn't wait and, and that I... Uh... I'm sure he won't make you wait too long. Well, even the magical Norse man can't be in two places at one time, can he? I'm sure that he... Um... Thanks for telling him. He moves to leave. You spend all that money and you just going to well, my sister gave me a gift certificate she and my girlfriend trish well they knew i'd never come if i had to pay you believe in this stuff well i you and trish are you married no no i just met my friend that's all are you afraid what are you afraid of of what he might tell you no if he doesn't come out soon, I'm going to have to leave. She stands and rummages through her purse. So you aren't afraid? If he's good, I'm afraid. Because maybe I don't want to know my future. And if he's bad, well, then his advice will just mess me up. He looks at her gift certificate and debates. So you believe? Maybe a little. A skeptical believer. <laughs> well, emphasize the skeptic. That's good. <laughs> it's good to meet a thoughtful person, not just a sheep. Well, thank you. She comes back to the couch and sits. I guess I can wait a few more minutes. <laughs> Do you believe in reincarnation? Oh, God. What? <laughs> I hope that wasn't some kind of pickup line. Please don't let that be a pickup line because, because that would be very bad. Very, <laughs> very bad. No, no, I don't know pickup lines. I, I was just wondering if you believed in reincarnation. No, I, I don't think so. Well, well, maybe. You know, sometimes I have had experiences that are, that are uncanny. Like, like I meet someone and... You feel like you've met them before? Yes. Or you have an instant attraction or um, aversion to them? Yes. 
Is is that your proof of no? No, I just was wondering. What do you do? I'm guessing you're a writer. You seem like the uh, the still waters run deep kind of guy. No, I uh, I work with people. Um, I help them. Oh, a psychologist, a coach. Yes. Um, uh, um, yeah, I coach people. <laughs> Where do you do this? I, I work out of my home. Oh, private practice. Sounds wonderful. Yeah, I love it. But who are you waiting for? I waiting for this woman. Your your girlfriend? Does, does she know your time of birth? She could be asking about your compatibility right now. Knowing her, she'd ask that. You aren't worried? Worried that he'll say you're not compatible? Uh, we're very, we're very compatible. You don't believe in the Norse man? I didn't say that. I get it. You're one of those guys. <laughs> you take your girlfriend to the psychic just for ammunition to ridicule her. Oh, I know you're kind. You spend all night talking about how you don't believe and, and you know what? It's just protesting too much. Psychic stuff not macho enough for you? I'm guessing your father was a Scorpio. Oh, say <laughs> the teasing for your girlfriend. Uh, I'm not teasing, I, I'm asking. Was he a Scorpio? Why do your questions always sound like lying? I'm, I'm just a very curious person. You know, when I lived in California, I took this psychic class for three months. I read, cleaned, and then healed auras. You know, uh, the energy field floating around you. You cleaned them? Yeah. But you know what? I made it all up. What? I read auras, cleaned auras, and, and healed them, but I made it all up. You made it up. Whatever popped into my head. Seems a little unethical. I talk too much. Gets up to leave. If you treat this stuff like a joke, then it becomes a joke. But if you- Listen, I believed enough to take the stupid class. But then you just screwed around. You weren't patient enough with the process and- Well, most of the time I made it up. You know, I always told them good things. Most of the time? I made them feel better. She stands, looks at the phone and at the door. Uh, what are you gonna do if he says you're not compatible? He can't say it. We're clearly compatible. Mm. If she believes in all this stuff, she might just- I believe in it more than she does. Huh. Then no problem. She moves to leave. Speaking of auras, yours is changing again. You need to slow down. Do some deep breathing. Mm, your hip and ironic humor isn't very attractive. <laughs> On the one hand, you want to be spiritual and centered. On the other, you drive yourself crazy with this kind of voracious ambition. <laughs> Listen, coach. What are you coming to the Norseman for? I've got to go. Money problems, love problems. It's really none of your Job problems, too. Well, same to you. You're an artist, right? You're neurotic because you're forced to live in a world that doesn't value what you are, right? No. 
how you're going from blue to red. I should never have told you that story. Is your girlfriend the artsy type? Yes, but I need to ask her if she's seeing someone else right now. Okay, uh, too much information. Maybe you could- uh... A good question to ask her. Good luck with that. It's Thank not so easy. I guess not, or you would have done it already. Have you gone through that? Been cheated on? Mm, not that I know of. I'm sorry. I, I'm not I'm not that experienced in relationships, but I think we could love each other. Yeah. Mm. Well, good talking to you. Good luck. Listen, how about a cup of coffee? You have time for that? I'm sorry, I, I don't counsel attached men and I don't date them. That's good. Right, that's good. He Wait, to I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I need to start this conversation over. You need to be talking to your girlfriend. She moves back into the room to get a book she's left on the couch. You see, I just didn't know how to begin. Just tell her. I don't know how to explain it. We, we fit together. Good, tell her that. No, you and I fit together. Like pieces of a puzzle. What? I know all about you, about your struggles, your panic attacks. All right, <laughs> that's enough. This, this isn't funny. I can see your struggles with love. You feel badly about your history, but why should you? Okay, please move out of the way or, or I'm going to call the police. Deep down, you're very courageous. You follow the promptings. I mean it. I'm going to call the police. I know you. Uh-huh. Could you just please... Um... When you were 20 and your first love died, You discovered your strength and also your silence. You keep a lot to yourself. What are you? Are you... I didn't know how to talk to you because after I read your chart. You're Norseman. I'm sorry I lied. Why? I was. I'm sorry. I get overexcited and scared. I didn't know how to begin to talk to you. I, I, I didn't want to just do a reading and then you'd be gone. What? I saw something in your chart that has to do with me. What? You made up the entire story? Waiting for your girlfriend? Being a coach? No, I do help people. I, and work out of my home. <laughs> and I was, I have been waiting for you. Listen, I'm flattered, I'm flattered, but- I'm uh, sorry, I come on too strong. I'm, I'm not very experienced at dating. This is not dating. Maybe we could just have a cup of coffee, talk a bit. You aren't already married, are you? Well, can't you tell by my chart? <laughs> Something. Some things are harder to read than others. And 
your own free will. Oh, well, that's good to know. Wait, I'm not just a robot doing whatever you see on my chart. No, but I guess by the alignments that you've been married and divorced, yes? Maybe. I'm sorry. I've upset you. Yes, you're, uh, you're quite the psychic. It's just a skill I have. If you read the relationship between your chart and mine, well, our charts have a relationship. You would see that 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 we should at least go out for a cup of coffee and talk. Wait, do all your readings entail a date? I've never done this before. Uh huh. <laughs> After some of the relationships you've had, I can see why you might feel this way. Oh, don't do that! No, you have an unfair advantage. You're you're like. You're like the invisible man or, or this guy with x-ray vision. But stop looking at me like that. You're beautiful, I can't help it. I have to go. Please. And we follow our intuition like you did coming here today. When we follow our intuition, the right things happen for us. Well, that's easy for you to say. Just coffee in a public place. You want me to trust my intuition? It says, no, I'm sorry. Okay, okay. Just one thing, don't drive for a week. Two, if you can manage it. What? Don't drive your car. Don't go on a highway anyway. Well, that's a creepy thing to say. I'm probably wrong. There is something in your Oh, in my chart. Yeah. Just for a week of, or a week or so. Stay off the roads. Karen frowns and leaves. Richard sees Karen's checkbook on the couch. Scene five, community garden. The lights come up on a sign reading Stir World Community Garden, a neglected patch of weeds and junk. Lori sits on a bench. She's on the phone. Wendy, how are you? I was looking for Teddy. Never mind, I'll call back later. I heard you lost some important papers the other day. <laughs> oh, you know how those rumors get started. It's hard when people... The garden? It's fantastic. <laughs> Just <laughs> perfect. <laughs> I'm making lots of progress. <laughs> Gotta go, Wendy. You creep. Angrily <laughs> <laughs> reaches into her designer purse and pulls out designer gardening gloves. She puts them on fiercely. Lori dials the phone, fending off tears. Hey, you busy? I need another plan to get back Teddy. <laughs> I'm going to lose it and kill Wendy. I can't do this. <laughs> Everything is rusty and there are things crawling in the dirt. <laughs> I just broke a nail. <laughs> Scene six, the daydream. There's a sound of ocean waves. The lights come up on Karen sitting on a bench. Karen watches the waves then closes her eyes in ecstasy. Richard emerges with two lemonades. 
He kisses her. How's the novel coming? Just finished. Congratulations, dear. They both settle back and listen to the surf. Karen closes her eyes and smiles. Scene seven, a forest preserve. There's sound of country. A bicycle passes too close to Karen's bench. It has a boom box attached to the front fender. Hey! Karen picks up a book that dropped from the bench. She rubs her eyes as she wakes from her daydream at the beach. Richard walks by. He follows a bird with binoculars. Richard follows the bird, but doesn't see anything beyond his binocular vision. Richard's <laughs> knees buckle and he stumbles, grabs the binoculars, and finally notices Karen who watches <laughs> her boom glides upside down on her lap. Oh, hi. Hi. How? Have you been here long? I make you uh, weak in the knees, do I? <laughs> you see that? My knees just buckled. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> you should get that looked into. Karen tries to look nonchalant. She dare, stares down at her book and Richard watches her. Come here often. <laughs> <laughs> what? I, I come here all the time and, and I haven't seen you here before. It's strange. Uh, this is practically my bench. And then I see you last week and now... Here you are. Oh, your bench. <laughs> Doesn't that seem a little weird to you? Ah, your chart didn't warn you. Oh. <laughs> you get my you get my uh, message about your checkbook. No, my uh, my voicemail it's busted. What you have my checkbook? Well, at the office. You want me to uh, mail it to you? No, I'll uh, I'll come by and pick it up. Maybe get a friend to drive you. <laughs> Right, I'm grounded. I bicycled here, is, is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> Just be careful. Karen opens her book and stares down into it. They sit for a long moment. Karen slowly turns the book right side up, hoping Richard <laughs> had noticed. <laughs> and he smiles to himself. I, uh, I, I'm teaching myself to read upside down. <laughs> a great skill to have. Mm. <laughs> Karen closes her book and they both look out into the park. In order to see, in order to see birds, <laughs> in order to see birds, it is necessary to become part of the silence. Ah, right. That, that's a quote from someone. Can't remember who, but I like it. I didn't mean you shouldn't talk. I was just trying to be literary. <laughs> I hope you love birds too. It is economical. It saves going to heaven. What? Emily Dickinson. I like that. I'm nuts about birds. Learned a lot about them from my cockatiel. Mm, really? Uh, she was a, a sweetie. <laughs> she wanted to spend all of her time on my shoulder and I didn't want to keep her in the cage, but it was hard because she always wanted to- What? Kiss me. 
Mm-hmm. You know, the way birds do. They always want to put their beaks on your mouth. I'm not sure why. Oh, gross. <laughs> I, I mean, it's gross to think of a bird's beak on my lips that, that wasn't a slam against you. Uh, thanks. Anyway, I found it gross too. But if I kept Mrs. Peebles in her cage all day, I'd feel guilty. Mm, Mrs. Peebles. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I got rid of her because I ended up being allergic, horribly allergic with the uh, green gunk in the. Never mind. Sorry, not a very good story. <laughs> Are you always so hard on yourself? He shrugs. Then he points to an unseen bird at a distance. That's a that's a flicker. Kind of rare here. Where? There, in the crook of the tree. Oh, uh, yeah. You want to use the binoculars? Uh, that, that's okay. You should. It's a unique chance to see him. Just, just adjust these here. Karen stands and looks, but can't find the bird in her vision. You, you want to move up and, and to the left. Karen adjusts, but still doesn't see the bird. Richard moves near her, trying to direct her. Right there. See it? Karen sees the bird in the tree through the binoculars. No. Uh, (laughs) Where is it? He gets closer to her, his head near hers. He tries to guide her. (laughs) Right there. See? Karen watches the bird. No. (laughs) I I, I don't see it. Maybe it's out of focus. Maybe. Richard watches Karen. He sees that she's watching the bird. Am I, uh, am I close? (laughs) Karen stops looking, moves to stand in front of Richard. She puts the binoculars up to her eyes. Show me. Hurry, before it goes. (laughs) Richard brings his arms around Karen's to direct her gaze. Their bodies are very close. Richard purposely directs her the wrong way. No. How about now? (laughs) No. How about now? You're not even trying now. (laughs) (laughs) Seems like the bird isn't what you're after anyway. She pulled (laughs) away. (laughs) What? Nothing. Um, it was nice. Well, you sure know how to ruin a mood. I'm sorry. You'll have to train me. <laughs> what? Oh, oh. Nothing, nothing. nothing. Um, I'm just not very good at this, as you know. Mm. Well, good at what? You know. Flirting. <laughs> Is that what we're doing? Please. I know I'm an idiot at this. Have pity on me. You are very cute. Richard looks like he might kiss her and Karen leans in toward him. A beach ball hits Karen in the head. Becky, <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? She's sorry. Nick runs up. He has a few dandelions in his hand. Nick? Karen? 
Becky just hit you in the head? Honest. We're sorry. He throws the ball to an unseen Becky. Tell your mom I'll be just a sec. Mom! Uncle Nick's girlfriend is here! <laughs> Karen looks down, tries to peek at Richard's reaction. Richard takes an involuntary step away from Karen. I'm Nick. You're a friend of Karen's? Yeah. I guess. Nice to meet you. I'm Nick. <laughs> Your brown knit sweater is at my place, in case you were looking for it. Thanks. I should get going. Really? Mm. You like sushi, Richard? Karen and I would love to have you over for our sushi party. Wait, what sushi party? The one I'm planning. <laughs> <laughs> Good meeting you. See you, Karen. What? Aren't you forgetting something? I don't think so. Your binoculars. Fine. Richard, Nick isn't my boyfriend, despite what he says. He thinks he's your boyfriend. Oh, he's just playing mind games on you. Maybe you are too. Well, that's an awful thing to say. Nick walks up. I need to get going. And funny, I ran into you. He offers the dandelions. Karen moves to take, then hesitates. Richard moves to leave, then hesitates. Nick moves to withdraw the flowers, then hesitates. Richard leaves. What are you doing? What do you mean? Sushi party, a, a bouquet of... Wait, what are you giving me? I, I picked them for Becky, but... Aren't I sweet to give them to you? I'll send you some roses when I get home. Are you following me? Honestly, no. I had thought of it, but haven't had time yet. But <laughs> busy with student papers. <laughs> Watch out for the roses in your foyer. Nick. Come on, you know you want them. Number one. You shouldn't be getting me roses since we're broken up. And number two, you shouldn't be getting me roses all the time because- I like you. You like roses. We're broken up. Okay, we're broken up. Take the roses from an old friend. Uncle Nick! Coming! <laughs> he starts to leave, stops, then moves too close to her like he could kiss her. Karen stands immobile. She fights an impulse to kiss him. See you at the picnic on Friday? Nick, I... Your brother invited me. Unless he disinvites me, I'm going to be there. Think you can handle that? Whatever. Nick kisses her lightly on the lips, and Karen stands perfectly still. See you Friday. Richard watches grimly from a distance. Scene eight, the Forest Preserve picnic area. Their children playing. Karen sits glumly at a picnic table with Lori. Teddy doesn't know how lousy Wendy is at this position. She's like a robot. How do I let him know that? Not to let it go. You're driving yourself crazy. That's your advice? Do nothing? Teddy knows you're interested. And, and when the garden is up and running, you'll be the spokesperson. He'll see your- Up and running? I won't live that long. Here's the thing. Teddy likes me. 
or he would if he could see me normal not knee deep in worm dung glory you're not sleeping you're not eating no i'm planning my revenge agent jenna she's gonna be pissed when she sees that i'm on tv and she doesn't get a percentage the jerk patty karen's sister and her husband mark enter they wear expensive sunglasses and designer tennis wear that is too small for them. Patty carries a large vitamin water. Mark, an upscale beer. Hey, little sis. Hey, little sis. So we're just waiting for the editing and the movie is finished. Mm, that's great. And when we go to Sundance, you'll come, right? Sure. I'll be back in a bit. Contractor is coming over to redo the kitchen counter. Again? Until he gets it right. You tell him. <laughs> I thought they were painting today. I haven't picked a color yet. Oh. oh. I'm getting closer. Mm. <laughs> you guys aren't any help. Milkshake white or wispy cloud white or marshmallow no help at all i've already started looking into flights and hotels it's a really small town so if we're all going ken works for united artists he's got connections it's in the bag Ooh, robert redford here i come <laughs> observing karen have you lost weight oh i wish well you look great Thanks. You're still teaching adjunct? Yep. Oh, that's nice. Yep. Uh, it would be great if a full-time professorship opened up. Yep. Oh, we have news. <laughs> Mark got the VP post. Well, congratulations. Nick carrying flowers and homemade desserts strides toward them. Karen stares in disbelief. Is that Nick? When did he get a vet? I thought you broke up with him. Nick, is that a... Just off the showroom. Nick places dessert on the table, hands Karen the flowers, and quickly kisses her before she can respond. Mm, new car. Anything else worth reporting? As a matter of fact, it looks like I got tenure. Ooh. <laughs> Really? You're surprised? I, I thought you had another year to go. Oh, guess I couldn't wait. Gesturing towards the car. Guess they couldn't wait and neither could you. <laughs> um, anything else? Nothing else to report yet. Nick takes Karen's hand. She sits immobile. Well, don't wait too long, man. We aren't getting any younger. <laughs> Speaking of which, ready to be walloped? Like last time. You cheated, remember? <laughs> Here we go. Congratulations, Nick. The two leave. Nick stares at Karen, squeezes her hand. What are you doing? You want me to stop? I... I'm sorry, I've been a jerk or shallow or whatever I've been. I'd like to try again. Mm. 
I don't think that I... I've got tickets to the Cubs. I know you love them. You got tickets? They're in town next week. What do you say? If they win, you say yes to whatever I want. That sounds bad. Are you afraid? Well, well, I appreciate that. Come on, lovable losers turn champions. Great message. Come on. Karen examines Nick. His teeth gleam. His hair falls perfectly. His eyes mesmerize. I don't, I... You can even invite Lori. I have a third ticket. She can chaperone. Lori loves the Cubs. I know. So, so what do you say? We'll all go out to dinner in the game. I'll have you home by midnight. Okay. I'll go to the game. But I'm not promising anything else. Nick smiles and he straightens Karen's hair. Scene nine, the stands at a ballpark. Lori and Karen sit on the benches. Their faces are painted. There's sounds of an announcer crowd and Karen and Lori watch toward the fourth wall. My paint smearing. No, you look awesome. Where is he? Why invite you to a game if he's gonna disappear at the sixth inning? No, he doesn't like the game. He just wanted to impress me. He's probably at some bar now, chatting up preppy collegiates. You jealous? No, but if you're going to invite someone somewhere, the least you can do is hang around. Well, it's insulting. Like he can't stand to be around me. Or me. It's insulting. And now a special event. Sounds of horns and the crowd and the organ plays. Lori and Karen look down on this field and on the big screen, Nick appears dressed in a tux on his knees. Oh, oh God. <laughs> Karen, Karen, this is for you, you. <laughs> a marching band comes onto the field playing a love song. They march in front of Nick so he cannot be seen. An usher approaches Karen and Lori. Karen Caprice. Karen and Lori point to each other. <laughs> Which one? I'm supposed to take one of you down the field. No, no. Your boyfriend's gone to a lot of trouble. Karen looks down to the field. Nick has emerged from the band. He kneels and looks up toward the stands. Come on, miss. No, no, I I'm not Karen. That's Karen. <laughs> I've got ID to prove I'm not Karen. Traitor. Karen looks at the big screen and sees a large Karen fending off the usher and the band stops playing. <laughs> Karen, Karen, will you, you, you? Microphone feedbacks pierces the stadium. The crowd yells in pain. Oh God. On screen, Nick speaks, but his microphone doesn't work. He stands up, confused. He waves to someone nearby. Quick, let's go. You really want to ditch him now? A bat boy runs over with a microphone for Nick. Karen, Karen, you are the cream cream in my cappuccino, chino, the basil in my homemade pesto, pesto, the stevia in my tea, tea. I can't live, live without you, you will, will, you, Karen, me, me. 
Nick pulls out a fabulous ring. There's a gorgeous large diamond ring on the big screen. All the women in the crowd squeal. Karen sees herself on the big screen. She looks miserable. She forces herself to smile. He's so romantic. Say yes. But what if I just move my mouth and pretend I can't speak? I've got laryngitis. Okay, so if you're not sure, say yes now, but cross your fingers behind your back. Uh, um, maybe something less clear. Uh, a thumbs up sign? <laughs> He's a really nice guy. My gal, she loves the suspense. <laughs> I, I... Yeah, just... What a bitch! <laughs> You're on television. You're right, I... don't want to be the Steve Bartman of proposals. Maybe it's meant to be? Yes! Yes! Nick, I will marry you! What? God, boys. There are most of you. the community garden. Lori sits at a shady bench staring at a weedy lot. From her perfect makeup and nails, it's clear that she hasn't started work yet. She grabs her paint chart and begins to compare colors. Ethan Stream, 33, approaches. He offers a huge grin and his hand. Ethan Stream, I work on the barn next door. I'm looking for Lori Caprice. I'm Lori. You're Lori. Yes. Oh, I, uh... Looks at her clothes, nails, and hair. You off today? No, I'm getting ready to plunge in. I was just taking a little break before I get started. <laughs> Ethan stares at her without humor. I'm trying to pick out a pink color for my condo. I've got it down to three colors, but... Okay, well, I just wanted to say hi. I'm next door if you need anything. Hey, don't go. You need something? I need advice on a color. The light in my apartment. I gotta go. The horses need tending. He leaves. Well, that was rude. <laughs> Scene 11, Richard's waiting room. Karen stands looking at the dismantled room. It is mostly empty except for boxes of books. Karen finds an envelope lying on a box. She opens it, sees her checkbook, makes a move to leave, and then doesn't. Richard enters with an empty box. Just uh, picked up my checkbook. <clears throat> Thanks. Good. Any uh, uh, changes mm -hmm. in my chart this week? Anything you can um, tell me about next month i haven't been looking at your chart um i don't right of uh, of course you haven't something happening well i uh i was talking to Lori about the wedding and what well, well i was wondering if you're um, marrying 
Lori? No, Lori's my sister. I'm, uh, I'm gonna marry this guy, Nick. Well, I was thinking he, um, he wasn't good for me. And then yesterday I was thinking he was and good for me. A, a sudden realization, you know, funny how that happened. That, well, that was quite a reading you, you almost gave me. Congratulations. Thank you. I, I hope um, next month is, is a good time in my chart for me. You want me to check? No, um, that's okay. I still owe you a reading. No, that's okay. I just, I just came to get my checkbook. You're, you're moving? Yes. Where? I'm, <clears throat> I'm going to a monastery. To, to a monastery? Yes. But, but I thought you, you have this big practice here and, and in a monastery? When do you leave? Next week. Next week? Oh, lots of big changes happening. A sudden realization. Is, is this a good thing? Yes. So. So you came to the conclusion that, um, that we weren't meant to be together? Bad analysis of my chart. I am fated for celibacy, poverty, simplicity. Ouch. Better, uh, better go back and reread it. That doesn't sound good. If you knew me better, you'd see why it makes perfect sense. And your, your readings, they'll allow you to do those? I've been wrong about everything. I have no gift. I read my chart wrong. I'm just a monk in the world. But what about... Um... You know the worst thing to have? Worse than anything? Hope for something that you weren't supposed to have. I was, I was just telling Lori that it's important to face one's limitations and, and act accordingly. Yes. So, so uh, go ahead. I was just, you go. Is it a, a nice monastery at least? Or do they have cows, chickens? St. Bernard's. I should go. Well, maybe you could find some kind of, some kind of a new agey commune kind of monastery, you know, you know, so you don't have to give up your readings, your, your work. Sure. He moves toward the door. Well, you seem pretty bummed out. I'm not good at small talk. You take care of your- You're not good at talking at all. I'm the one being forced to keep this conversation going. Why did you come? My checkbook. Okay. You found it. I've got to. Wait, why are you so upset? 
you know, we're having a nice conversation about, about monasteries and- uh, I think this is a big joke. No, no. This isn't funny to me. This is painful for me. I can see that. So, I'm just going to- Will you always run away like this? Listen. I'm just trying to... Because I thought we were having a nice conversation. I don't want to have nice conversations with you. Oh. Well, that's honest, at least. I should... Why is it painful? Please. You think you're in love with me? Please. I don't want to... No, I'm flattered. Really, but... But I just can't. You made that clear. He moves to leave. No, don't go. Why should we? Why should we prolong this? Because I like you. You're quirky. You scare me, but you seem sincere, honest. I. It's just that I. I always. You don't have to explain. Would you stop threatening to leave? I'm I'm trying to talk to you. You don't have to. Wait, I always jump in. I'm pathetic. I always jump in and it it was just too fast. You see, it's just it's just too I I always go too fast. You read my chart. Well, you should know that and and you can't expect someone someone like me who you know, I have a really pretty bad track record and so I don't really trust my intuition, which is ironic really, but but I don't trust it. The only lesson I ever learn is that I go too fast. My timing is always sucked. Timing is everything. You think? It's the difference between an accident and an uneventful drive. So, so bad luck is really just bad timing? He nods. My New Year's resolution was that I wasn't going to go too fast. You'll get married instead. That makes sense. Oh, as much sense as the monastery. I've been planning the monastery for a long time. Our meeting was the last piece of the puzzle. I should be. So go. He starts to leave. No, don't go. Why? Well, does there have to be a reason? Yes. I don't have a reason. I'm not here for your amusement. Some ego trip or... I just want to talk with you. But without it being some heavy duty thing and, and suddenly we're living together on your psychic farm. He starts to move away from her. Well, there's not going to be much banter in a monastery. You take advantage of it while you can. I know I'm super serious, which is why I belong in a monastery. I just can't play games. I, I'm not. I can't have these superficial conversations. I can't appease your vanity or whatever you want me to do. Fine, but answer me one question. If I was some 250 pound female sumo wrestler, would you still be committed to the chart and what it said? Yes. 
Well, you answered that too fast. If you knew me better, you'd know why it was an easy question. Appearances don't matter to me. Thanks a lot. <laughs> that doesn't mean that I don't find you very attractive. Right. Mm. Lots of negatives in that sentence. It doesn't matter now. He leaves. If you're so committed, then why? She sees she's alone. Scene 12, community garden. Lori kneels and weeds. She is covered in mud and mascara runs down her face. She swats at a mosquito and plasters mud on her cheek. God, what did I do to deserve this? Lori shrieks and pulls her hand away. She stands and looks around for someone to save her. Help, help, there's a really huge spider and... She screams and stamps her foot. Ethan runs over. What is it? You okay? He instinctively wipes her face and tugs at her hair. There was a spider. There was a spider? Yeah. But I think I killed it. Very brave of you. You shouldn't yell like that. I thought something really wrong was... And you freaked out the horses. Something was wrong. There was a spider. Can't imagine what you do when you find Mr. Slinky. Who's? <laughs> Snake. Lives in that pile of wood. Lori recoils and gives a slight shriek. Ethan laughs and begins to walk away. Wait a minute. There's no snake. You're just messing with me. Are you a friend of Wendy's? There's a snake. Poke around that wood and you'll find out. But don't scream. <laughs> what should I do? Find another job. <laughs> Lori glares at him. Scene 13, a farm field on monastery grounds. Richard plants onion bulbs. He's dressed in a long monk's robe. Planting an onion. <laughs> <laughs> I'm planting an onion. <laughs> Three days. Three days. <laughs> Three days of onions. <laughs> <laughs> My mind is collapsing. <laughs> My brain is dissolving. <laughs> I'm planting an onion. <laughs> Scene 14, Karen's car. Karen and Laurie are, are sitting in the car and Karen is driving. They move as if they're in stop-and-go traffic. There's a sound of car horns. What are you doing? I thought we were going to... I always get lost around here. Okay, buddy. Go around me. Just, just go around. Are you looking for that psychic? Oh, there it is. You think I could get into that parking spot? Lori looks at her in utter disbelief. The unseen spot must be tiny. Cars honk. You want the psychic to help you find a wedding dress? Go around me. What if I just pull over and, and you just drive around the block? I just want to see if Norseman's around. I forgot to tell him something. What? I can't remember, but uh... That's it. You're officially psycho. Horns, horns honking. 
Didn't he say you shouldn't be driving? That's what I need to ask him. When I can start driving again. Karen! The sound of car skidding and then a loud crash Let's get out of here. <laughs> Scene 15, farm field on monastery grounds. The sound of chickens. Richard and Abbot Charlie throw invisible seeds to the ground. They're dressed in monastery robes. How was breakfast? Richard forces a smile. The oatmeal's a bit like cement. Brother Thomas can't see anymore and never adds enough water. Richard nods his head and smiles. It's okay. We're allowed to talk. <laughs> they don't want you to go to a psychotic the first week you're with us. They'll save that for later. <laughs> I was going to try and talk. I was going to try not to talk and see if... What? If that... Richard shakes his head, embarrassed at his thought, and he puts his head down. You thought it would speed up the process, make you see God a bit faster? Richard shrugs. <laughs> What's your hurry? We'll all see him when we're dead. No. <laughs> Seems like a high admission price to see the big guy. <laughs> Practicing what I might say to him. Hey, God. <laughs> Sorry, I've been uh, been ignoring you, but so many of your followers are really pissing me off. <laughs> are you really so petty and concerned with who sticks what in who? No. <laughs> or should that be whom? Anyway, you know I never liked church. Super boring. And where was the love, God? Where was the love? But it's not fair to blame you. Fact is, even though I like to talk with you, I'm not sure you really exist, which is super confusing to me. <laughs> How can I both believe in you and not believe in you? And if you're so massive, how can I feel you in here? Mm. You're just so old fashioned, God. You talk funny. <laughs> and why don't these great miracles stop? All those cool pyrotechnics. Moving huge bodies of water and hocus pocus with the wine and the fish. <laughs> Why did it all stop? Is it because we're all cynics <laughs> or are you just tired? <sighs> so if I don't really believe in you, why do I still pray? Can you keep track like Santa Claus <laughs> of all my endless pleas? <laughs> like when I ask for a parking place or for Oh, Brother Thomas to make a decent meatloaf. <laughs> I know you're all powerful, but hearing all these millions of simultaneous and contradictory prayers? That's super project management there. I don't see how you can really do that. Anyway, God, I was just wanted to say, thanks for the fabulous world you made. And thanks for helping me out sometimes, but not all the time. No. What's up with that? <laughs> Charlie and a small stock smile comes to his face. Scene 16, the forest preserve bench. Karen has a large shopping bag with her. I can't believe he really left. I thought see he what you have. Karen passes the bag and Lori pulls out a simple cream dress. 
Maybe we should postpone the wedding. And I don't have enough time to put this together. It's lovely. Not expensive enough, but nice. Oh, honey, <laughs> my sister is getting married. It's okay. It's understated. Like the dress knows not to expect too much. Stop mm -hmm. that. And if I decide not to get married, it still works as a very nice dress. Okay. <laughs> Please don't cry. You'll ruin your mascara. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> is it the dress? <laughs> you feel fat? <laughs> Okay, no one's going to make you get married. Please stop. Stop. You sound like some funky street performer. In 17, the farm field on monastery grounds. Richard and Charlie eat sandwiches together on a small bench. Charlie reads a letter while he eats. He grunts at the contents and then crumples up the letter. Yeah. Bad news. Bad advice. Richard returns to eating. Charlie watches him. Aren't you going to ask me? Ask you what? What was in the letter? I figure if you wanted to tell me. Oh, being around saints all day is exhausting. <laughs> I made the mistake of confessing a wild idea to Brother Mark, and he just won't let it go. Charlie waits for Richard to ask the next question. Which was? I thought, I used to think it might be fun to try stand-up comedy. <laughs> Stay silent long enough, and everything begins to look ridiculous. <laughs> I think the... Great. <laughs> Easy for you to say. Last time I tried it, I nearly had a heart attack. <laughs> Scene 18, Karen's apartment. Karen cleans her kitchen. There's a knock at the door and Nick opens it slowly. Sorry, I... Problem. I ate it already. I threw yours away. I'm sorry. By the sound of your voice, I thought it was going to be bad news. And I've had enough bad news already. She motions for him to sit. Nick. She stands and begins to pace. Nick. I've been thinking about us and- I, I was fired today. What? There was a student I think she had a crush on me. She, I, I wouldn't respond to her advances. She made a complaint and they believed her. Don't you have- um... it, it wasn't official yet. So sorry. He grabs her hand feels dramatically in front of her. I know it sucks, but the most important thing in my life is you and we're together. So nothing else matters. I'll find another job. It won't be that hard. And now we can go anywhere. We're free. You've been wanting a change too, right? It can be an exciting adventure. 
In fact, if you wanted to, we could move up the wedding, get that out of the way, and then do some job hunting together. Maybe California or, or Oregon. Aaron stands. Then she sits back down. You okay? Just a little dizzy suddenly. Um, can you hand me my purse? He gets it. She pulls out a bottle of Pepto-Bismol and takes a swig. <laughs> we do the courthouse thing. I can get the licenses in three weeks, I think. We could get married on Halloween. Oh, wouldn't that be fun? A Halloween wedding? I'll dress up as Frankenstein. You could be bride I of. I don't think so. Oh, okay, okay. No dress up, but it would be fun. And I'd never forget our anniversary. <laughs> What's the rush? No rush, just uh, they don't offer Cobra through the college. I won't have health insurance in two weeks. They don't offer, are you sure? That sounds kind of- You're a... right. I shouldn't push you. Maybe you won't want to get married at all anymore. I could understand that. I'm not the guy, but I'm not the guy you thought you were getting, a tenured professor. Oh, that's not it. Oh, I'm sorry. I come in here with that bombshell and then expect, you probably need some time to think. Oh, but just please don't give up on me. You're the best thing that ever happened to me. And, and if you, I, I just can't imagine if we weren't going to, I'd just throw myself off a bridge or something. No, don't say that. Sorry, I, I, I love to be traumatic. <laughs> I, I should let you go. He moves to the door. Karen watches him, takes a deep breath. So, we need to have some dinner at least. Scene 19, the farm field on the monastery grounds. Richard squats, weeding with a fierce intensity. Charlie kneels on a cushion, weeding slowly. He swats at a mosquito. West Nile, anyone? <laughs> He looks to see Richard's reaction. There is none. Richard has finished that section. He crawls to another area of the garden and attacks it with ferocity. You have a personal vendetta against Creeping Charlie? Nope. I myself don't creep. Skulk sometimes, but never creep. <laughs> For a reaction, there is none. When are you gonna do my chart, Richard? Richard swats a mosquito. I thought you were joking. Me? Joke? Never! <laughs> <laughs> I thought only the monastery was up for my blood. <laughs> he looks again for a reaction, and there's none. So, can you read my palm, or do you need to write a chart? Have you had a chart before? Centuries ago. Another lifetime. Richard scares, stares at him, squints, trying to interpret Charlie. Charlie Mosquitoes Scott. love me. I'm sweet. <laughs> you remember what the chart said? Nope. I've blocked it out. That's why I need another one. <laughs> Scene 20, the community garden. A grimy but radiant and peaceful Lori holds a worm in her hand and she talks to it. So, if I leave here by 11, I can go to the gym, take a shower, and transform myself <laughs> just in time for lunch with Teddy. 
She places the worm gently in the dirt. She plants some seeds. The small garden plot is much improved. And then during lunch, I'll ask his advice on what to do next. Men like Teddy love to give advice. <laughs> Pulls out her phone, checks the time. Then she grabs a hose, turns on the water and begins to water the new seeds. Okay, little radishes, grow, grow, grow. Ethan approaches with a small shoebox. Hey. Hey. I wonder if you have a moment. Sorry, I'm just running out. I'll be back at one, two at the latest. Fine. What's your problem? My problem is that many people would love this job and you treat it like it's a joke or a huge burden. So sorry I haven't lived up to your- You're so selfish that you can't even be bothered to. I'm not selfish. Whatever. <laughs> What's in the box? Never mind. I'll just use my bicycle. What is it? Lori peers into the box. He flew into a window. I need to take him to the rehab center. Lori looks at her phone, looks at the bird. I'll drive. Scene 21, the farm field on monastery grounds. Charlie and Richard plant onions. They had me running for mayor. I think I would have won too. Maybe you didn't want a political life. What am I but a mayor here, steeped in the pol politics of this place? You see how life has its own plan? Your fate? God's will, fate, whatever you call it. We cannot run our destiny. The lights shift and we see Lori and Ethan run with the box through the audience. Call ahead, they're waiting for us. The lights shift, Nick and Karen walk down a street in another area of the stage. I love that costume shop. Let's go in. <laughs> I shift back to the monastery farm. Are you saying that it doesn't matter what we do? Yes. I could rob banks and that will be fine with my destiny. God's will. You'd probably end up in jail and then you'd be living a kind of monastic life again. Be outside of the world, in your cell, forced to meditate on the big picture, just like you're doing here. What if I got married? If I had a family? You think about that? I used to think about that. Life would look a lot different, but only on the surface. Either you have troubles with your cellmate or with your kids or with the other monks. Doesn't matter. But I thought it was uh, a better life, a holier life. Yeah. Nope. The lights shift. Lori and Ethan stand in a circle of light and listen to a young volunteer wearing a bird rescue shirt. Lori suddenly cries and impulsively grabs Ethan, who hugs her. The lights shift to another area of the stage. Nick, wearing Frankenstein mask, holds a wedding dress up to himself, and Karen forces a smile. The lights shift back to the monastery farm. Richard and Charlie shut corn. I'm just, I'm, I'm not meant for performance. I think you got the chart wrong. It's too uh, to confuse your excitement for fear. It's not excitement. It's not fear. It's terror. Stand up is agonizing. Isn't that good for the soul? 
just because our symbol is the crucifixion, that doesn't mean life must be excruciating. <laughs> but sometimes it does. Oh, that was a joke. Oh. I've worked some tough clubs, but this one, oi, serious <laughs> monks, they are the toughest. <laughs> Your soul wants this. Uh, great, my soul can do the stand up. I'll stay here and shuck. <laughs> Damn it. Were you just telling me about destiny? I don't think you can ignore this challenge. That's what I get for talking, blah, blah, destiny. Just because you're right doesn't mean I have to like it. <laughs> and this is a gig I agreed to in a moment of weakness. Great. At least it will get me out of this hell hole. He's <laughs> a mosquito. Richard looks surprised. Sorry, you still see me as sanctified. The lights shift. Ethan laughs and jokes with the volunteer, and Lori watches him from a distance while talking on her cell phone. The lights shift, and Nick walks across the stage carrying a wedding dress in a Frankenstein costume. <laughs> Karen walks slightly behind, a frozen, exaggerated smile on her face. The lights shift back to the monastery farm. Richard and Charlie continue to shuck corn. It's a gig at a retirement convent, a nursing home for nuns. Perfect venue before I get to Bally's. That sounds perfect. <laughs> right. Dying nuns make the best audience. Yeah. <laughs> I love the raunchy celibacy jokes. Ah, look at that smile. I've been waiting to see that. <laughs> so you'll come with me. It's on Halloween and we'll have to dress up. In 22, a street. There's sounds of children yelling trick or treat. Signs designate a bookstore and a courthouse. Charlie, dressed as a pirate, waves to unseen kids and talks with a gregarious old nun wearing a witch's hat. Richard, in a Pope costume, stands apart, staring at a bookstore across the street. A large sign advertises a lecture by a famous psychic. Ah, I have some competition. He's pretty good. Go. No, I, I want to support you and your stand-up debut. No, this way, if I bomb, you'll never know it. Most of the nuns are deaf anyway, so... You're no. going to be great. Sure, I know that, but do they know it? <laughs> Deep breaths. That's right. You have tons of talent and a huge heart. Let's go. I, I don't want to miss. No. Destiny calls. I can feel it. Come over when you're finished. The gals have a celebration spread of tea and cookies for me. <laughs> the lights shift. In a circle of light, Charlie tells silent jokes to a mostly unseen group. The witch nun laughs at each one, but another nun plays solitaire on an iPhone. Charlie <laughs> sweats and looks at the clock. The lights shift. Richard talks with a costume lecturer at a book signing table. They laugh. Richard watches a lecture in front of a group. The lecturer gestures Richard to speak. Richard speaks to the unseen group. And the lecturer is smiling. <laughs> Bookstore staff brings a flip chart to the table. Richard draws a chart. Richard signs an autograph to an attractive woman. <laughs> the light shifts back to the street. Charlie emerges looking war-torn. 
The witch nun follows him with devotion. He thanks her and waves her off. And Richard moves to Charlie. Wow, you're glowing. What happened? I don't know. I just started speaking and manna from heaven. They begin walking to a nearby parking lot. It was incredible. How did it go to for you? Now, let's just say that it was a purging of the ego, a crucifixion, a death. <laughs> Probably very good for my soul. <laughs> in the wedding dress, Richard stops, frozen. They did like the dirty one, though. Richard? Charlie turns around. Richard is still staring. Karen is waiting to cross the street. Is that her? Yes. Go. Karen sees Richard. Is that you? I thought you were... Did you get promoted? <laughs> yep, I'm the Pope now. <laughs> I knew you had talents. And you? Are you getting married? On my way to the courthouse. Karen looks toward the stoplight. Richard follows her gaze. Nick, dressed as Frankenstein, waves to Karen. <laughs> Congratulations again. He begins to walk away. He wanted me to dress as the bride of Frankenstein, but, but I wouldn't do it. Good for you. Across the stage, Charlie walks up to Nick. What brings you here? Look, he's my abbot. He had a... I should let you go. An attractive woman from the lecture approaches Richard. Would you mind signing my program? I thought you were amazing. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I hope you'll come again to speak. Or maybe I could get a reading from you. Here's my card. <laughs> she leaves. Across the street, Charlie is telling a long story to Nick. And Nick waves to Karen. late to get my reading. Now? Karen puts up her hand, palm up in his hand. Am I making a big mistake here? You know I can't answer that. Seems like our timing has always kind of sucked, huh? You in the monastery and me getting married. Good luck to you. He kisses her on the cheek as Nick runs up. That pirate is crazy. He wouldn't let me go. Karen, we have to run. The TV cameras are going to leave. Richard begins to walk away. TV cameras? The lights shift as Nick rushes to another corner of the stage representing the courthouse. A bored TV cameraman and an overly made up TV reporter enter fidgeting and pacing. Nick runs in and Karen follows behind. Sorry, 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 Jenny. We're here, we're here. I thought she was going to be the bride of Frankenstein. Sorry, I, we, I, I, I didn't. Nick, can I talk to you for a minute, please? Sure, sure, sure. Jenny, one minute, please. Jenny looks at her watch, holds up one finger. Then she looks at his leather pants. Nice costume. Thanks. <laughs> Nick and Karen move to a corner and whisper. What's going on? My buddy knows this reporter, so I thought it'd be a fun surprise for you. We'll be married on TV. 
We could be on national news tonight. Would you mind putting on this wig? I know you didn't want to, but if you put on this wig, you'll be my bride. <laughs> <laughs> I am not getting married as the bride of Frankenstein. Nick. One sec. Why not make this more interesting? You only get married one time. Does it have to be just an ordinary, boring wedding? Oh, would, would getting married to me in normal clothing be boring to you? No, no, that's that's not what I mean. I, I just mean, you know, if... If you lovebirds don't mind, we're just going to set up here and check the sound and lighting. It just seemed like fun. Is that the way it's always going to be with you? Always some kind of gimmick to make life more interesting? Some women would find it charming. I like to think of fun things. Most women- No, I'm just... not most women. Everything okay? Karen's j just a little nervous. No, I'm not nervous. I'm not getting married today, sorry. If you want a story about someone ditched at the altar on Halloween, then, then feel free. Oh, honey. Uh, mind if we keep rolling? You don't have to be so dramatic. The TV reporter gestures to the cameraman and they follow them, the two of them filming. We're over. I'm sorry. Please, Karen, not on national television. Look at it this way. You're handsome, sweet, charming, and, and always thinking of fun things to do. Ladies, he's available. <laughs> Hi. Uh, we had come for a love story, but found horror. <laughs> the light shift. Karen runs to where she last saw Richard. She looks in all directions. He's nowhere to be found. Scene 23, an urban beach at sunrise. A costumed reveler walks across the stage with a large sign reading Halloween a year later. They're the sound of waves and laughter. Karen, in the same wedding dress, stands at a table. She signs papers under a banner reading Halloween Plunge for Peace. Lori also signs papers. She's dressed as a fairy princess. They look out toward the water. Water must be ice cold. Aren't you afraid that dress is gonna pull you under? Well, who says I'm going in? You've gotta go in, that's the deal. This new guy's really brainwashed you. His name is Ethan. Where is he? He'll be here. They move from the table toward the shivering crowd. I made my donation, I'm here in costume. I'll meet your guy, but then I've got to go home. Why? You're not working. Yes, I am. I thought you quit. I got an online job and I'm writing. Really? What? <gasps> A novel? <laughs> Never mind. Tell me. Nope. Can't talk about it. Is that why you've been so happy lately? I can't get you to argue about anything. Karen sees Nick and the reporter across the stage. He's wearing the Frankenstein costume and she is dressed as Bride of Frankenstein. Oh, God. What? Karen <sighs> gestures toward them. Oh, they're everywhere. Ever since they got married, they go to every charity event and try to get in the paper. Yuck. 
You dodged a bullet with that loser. They watch Nick and the reporter argue. The reporter storms off dramatically and Nick follows nervously, follows her and gestures apologies. Ethan's got lots of studly friends. Let me introduce you. Oh, thanks. Really? This guy, Finn, who painted my condo, you'd like him. You painted the condo? Huh, what color? Ethan chose it. What color? Light blue. Light blue? <laughs> he says it's good for relaxation. Karen opens her mouth dumbfounded. Before she can reply, a costumed Hulk grabs Lori, pulls her down, and kisses her intensely. Whoa! Karen, this is Ethan. Ethan smiles and offers his hand. You see the crowd? And it's still early. You did good. They kiss again. Karen steps away from them. A man dressed as Cupid stands nearby. You made a very weird match here. Karen gestures through the Hulk and Prince's kissing. Cupid laughs. A man dressed as Poseidon waves to Cupid and approaches. It is Richard. Richard and Karen gawk at each other. Again with the wedding dress. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I'll figure I'll use it one of these days. Is that her? Yep. Um, this is Karen, uh, a woman always dressed as a bride. Uh, Karen, this is my dear friend, Charlie. Pleased to meet you. Looks like I've struck again. <laughs> Richard smile and gaze at each other. I saw Frankenstein around here somewhere. Yeah, he, uh, he's got a different bride now. Much better <laughs> for everyone. How did you get involved in this? After I left the monastery, I started volunteering with this group. This your first plunge? Yeah. Well, I wasn't really going to jump in. I'm just here for moral support. I see. How have you been? Good. I've uh, I've been good. I've been writing a novel. Wonderful. It's been a lifesaver for me on lots of levels. I'm glad. You're in it. Really? You're the main character. I'm flattered. Is it too late for um, a reading? A date. Are you married or, or engaged? or joining the Foreign Legion? <laughs> I'm single, but I am moving. Next week, the farm. I'm opening a- A psychic farm? A retreat center. But I'd love to see you before you go. Good. He takes his hand and they smile at each other. Off stage, Ethan shouts instructions to the group and there's a sound of splashing. The crowd yells with delight and the shock of cold water. Hey, wish me luck. 
Heron won't let go of his hand. I'll be right back. Let's plunge in together. Richard and Karen run off stage to the sounds of joyous laughter and splashing. The end. Hey, everyone in the audience, if you want to turn on your video and audio, feel free to join us. Let's have a little discussion about the play. <laughs> and welcome, Lori Lewis Barr. Our playwright who gave us this wonderful Yay. piece. There we go. Thank you. And this is your um, husband, Rick Barr? Yes. Yes. Oh. Yes. I'm <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> the man who puts up with the artist. So. Yes. Hmm. Are you really? No. Well, you are Richard. Oh, my God. No. Wait a minute. No, no, no. <laughs> You don't have any psychic tendencies, there's no... So you named your lead man and after your husband, no? No, I don't think so, actually. Hmm. He's Rick. Okay. I'm Richard, too, though. Clearly a difference yes. there. And Absolutely. Richard and, Richard and Rick is very different than Dick. All, all, yes. all, the, all the characters are me. <laughs> they always are. Um, so thank you so much for bringing us this play, Laura. We really enjoyed it. And I think I laughed harder this time than in any rehearsal mm -hmm. or before that. There was something magical that comes on. And when we start hearing the audience, it gets better and better and better. Yeah, I was really moved and touched and delighted by all the performances. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Really ran with it. And wow, really, really fantastic. Thanks for your hard work. I think uh, Stacy and Spencer's portrayal of the, the romance was just, Beautiful. just stunning. It was just adorable and sad and happy and flirtatious. And they go through this whole roller coaster of romance. That's just adorable. Yeah. And the other thing that I love about this play is that even the other characters you know, take a journey and, mm -hmm. and also are so delightful. And uh, I feel so connected to all of them too. But yes, you're right. Special thanks to uh, Cameron who filled in at the very last minute today. Yay. <laughs> that was the thanks. first time he read it with the entire, he had never read with the group before, had no idea what our craziness is with the wow. virtual. Nice. Gotta go for it. It was it was an absolute pleasure. Uh, it was nice to be able to use the accent I was born with and not trained out of using on stage for once. Nice. <laughs> um, I mentioned this to Laura and you guys earlier, but this is my second time working with Laura's material. Uh, a few years ago, I was brought in kind of as a stage combat and actor consultant for a, uh, a drama club in Northern Virginia here who was putting on Odysseus Comes Home, which is uh, a mad dash through the Odysseus story as the tagline <laughs> says. <laughs> and it was it was a lot of fun working with like 20 different middle schoolers who have only a basic grasp of how to human to begin with and then getting to play with those archetypes and watch their brains work. It was really watching to see the work that she'd managed just to put into 15, 20 minutes worth of stage time, so. This was a lot of fun to get to work with with something she's done again. Thank you. 
the small, small theatrical world. I tell you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we, we have a note from an Arthur Graham. Um, he, he apologizes, has to go. Um, oh, is Arthur Graham the, the new, our new playwright? Yes, mm -hmm. yes it is actually, mm -hmm. come to think of it. Uh, my compliments to the chef. Uh, the wit of all the characters was astounding. I'd love to follow up later. What a talented group of author, uh, actors. Yes. For sure. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Sure. Um, so, uh, uh, Doug, what um, your your monologue is one of the funniest. Mo I didn't think it was as funny as it was until I heard it in front of the whole group. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Because I don't. It didn't come off funny during rehearsals, but it, mm -hmm. it is hysterical. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, you really yeah. nailed Charlie. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. They sort of a lovable warrior monk comedian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Ricardo, I thought the sheet in the background was nice and cool too. That really added a lot to the. <laughs> was that ecclesiastical purple? Because I think it was. It was sort of like an Easter effect. On the oh, cool. Okay, it worked. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a royal blue. <laughs> I will try to fix it in post production. Take us to charge. <laughs> well, we were just in a monastery. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, um, Ricardo, in in the wig for the win. <laughs> Love the wig. <laughs> just, you can take it off now. Really, I couldn't. I couldn't. <laughs> Is it alive? Is it? <laughs> right on. I could not day. keep, I can't keep a straight face to begin with because of who I am, but that wig and his, I know Nick's, I've met, I've met <laughs> yeah. so many Nick's and that was, that was so cringingly perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's, it's so fascinating to me how, like how he's described completely differently physically in the <laughs> stage directions and yet personality wise, like that personality, like that personality archetype mm -hmm. can meet either what we saw, which is great, or, sorry, or, or it can meet the, you know, the Ken, I uh, can also meet the, the, the Ken doll, you know, blonde haired Hitler's dream that you were, that might've been magic. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> so the scars guards? <laughs> Yes, the scars guard. Yes, the scars guard. <laughs> yes, we have, so the um, scars. The scars guard with the douchebag personality of Nick. Either I personality fits either physical type. It's just it's fascinating. <laughs> and and Barry, you had to read like four or five different roles. Some of them in the same Ooh, scene. <laughs> she has the range. Mm. <laughs> bringing out the the southern accent and then bringing out the sexy accent and <laughs> the sexy effect that was really impressive and there's, uh, there's a, a good amount of stage direction because this is both a, a movie it could be done as a movie and it can be done as a, a play so there's i think some interesting effects there that's why the scenes are cut so fast and so different yeah it felt like i was reading a movie script it didn't it it was specific and big enough. I'm like, oh, this cuts very quickly. It doesn't, it doesn't, there's not a lot of they enter, they leave stage right, stage left. Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of playwrights don't do that though. 
the most famous ones actually barely give you any direction at all. They let you figure unless it out you're for Tennessee yourself. Will, unless you're Tennessee Williams or Eugene O'Neill or, or, well, okay, most contemporary ones, sorry. <laughs> okay, but <laughs> mm, let's see. Um, who Oscar Wilde, he, he barely gave any stage direction. That's true. Yes, you're absolutely right. Stage okay, so fear, none. None, <laughs> except, for, except for Exit Pursued by a Bear. Yes, <laughs> yes. Let's not forget that one. <laughs> that was Winner's Tale, right? Yes. So the queers trust their actors to make good decisions. The straights don't. Ah, oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was actually lovely. I love the way it came um, alive today. And 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 Michaela, you did an amazing job as the as the. White Just going to say that the princess in the perfectly white house who loves yes. that loves the worms has found yes. nature. It's funny, I was funny, channeling funny. my inner Snow White, <laughs> holding the little worm in my hand. You couldn't see it because it was like below the camera, but I was like, oh. <laughs> it was so easy to play off of you, too. Thank you for that. Her arc <laughs> is like apparent. It's like it just, there's no ambiguity in that arc whatsoever. It's I'm great. picking out 17 different shades of white, pick one, and then, oh, dirt. <laughs> oh, I was so tempted. I was like, I have brown eyeshadow right here. I'm just going to like, <laughs> I thought I had enough time. <laughs> I was like, I'm ready. I would have applauded that de decision. That would have been a good decision. I go all out. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, this, the reason that I think this play works right now and why we're laughing so hard is because everything is under, we're under massive amounts of stress in this world. And the one thing that I think theater can do better than anything else, better than movies, better than TV is to connect people and connect people through laughter. And so after some of the spookier and creepier things and some of the harder, like emotional plays we've done before, I wanted something that was just filled with joy and hope and the idea that even if you think you can ditch your destiny you really can't you got it aj cool thank you for listening to our podcast we hope you enjoyed it for more information about quarantine players visit our facebook page at facebook.com quarantine players as shakespeare said in julius caesar if we do meet again why we shall smile if not, why then, this party was well made.